hey, if you're here with us, like, like Pastor David said, we are on a series on the ministry crew. And we are actually having a ministry crew orientation this Friday night and Saturday. And let me just say very, very quickly, ministry crew is for any person who is currently serving in any capacity. And this weekend, it's for anyone who is interested at all. If, if you're here and you would say, man, I've been here for three months or I've been here for six months and I feel like it's time for me to put my hand uh, to serving and helping and contributing, uh, I, f- I feel like it's time for me to just align myself a little bit more with the house or maybe it's just I want to get plugged in a little bit more and uh, there are some things that I feel like I can do and I want to do come this weekend. Friday night, Saturday, we're going to be laying out our philosophy. We're going to be laying out the history of the house. We're going to be laying out where we're at. We're going to be talking about our, our, our internal structure. Uh, it's going to be an incredible time to get to know the leadership better, to get to know the house better. Yeah, uh, it will give you a better understanding about who Antioch is, what we're about, where we're going. So it's, it's kind of a guest connection married with uh, activation for greater service, all wrapped into one. So having said that, I'm going to go ahead and jump in. Turn with me in your Bibles this morning, if you would, to the book of Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. So grateful for what God is doing. How many of you guys are grateful for what God's doing in the house? Well, I tell you, I sense and I feel such a strength. I sense and I feel there's, there's, there's a life and there's a momentum and there's an acceleration in the spirit of God and what he's doing in this house in this day and in this hour. And I tell you, last week was perhaps one of the funnest times I've had to preach in, in quite some time. And that's because of you guys. You, you were activating something. You were pulling something out of me. You were responding. You were talking back. And, and I'm telling you, for a preacher, uh, there's, there's not much better you can do than to set your spirit in agreement and start pulling. We call that pulling on the anointing. Huh? You can pull on the anointing in a person. Some of y'all have no idea what I'm talking about. We'll get you, we'll get you there. Huh? You're like the sixth man, right? Or the <laughs> six, sixth man in basketball, twelfth man in football. All right. Matthew chapter 10. Here we go. Let's start with verse 1. And Jesus called his 12 disciples to him, and he gave them authority to drive out evil spirits, to heal every disease and sickness. We declare today that every disease, every disease, every disease, cancer, we declare you are driven out and healed. ALS, you are healed in this house. Blood diseases, mental diseases, arthritis, we declare Alzheimer's is healed in the authority of Jesus' name. Father, we thank you that we are your representatives on the earth. And in the same way that you called your disciples to yourself and you gave them authority, your word says that you gave us authority. Your word says in Matthew 28 that all authority, that the enemy has no authority anymore, that he holds no legal authority. He does not have the legal right to hold us in sickness. You took all authority and you gave it to your church and we declare healing in the name of Jesus. 
Every disease and sickness, every disease and sickness, every disease and sickness, every means every. Father, we declare that in this house and in this city, there is no sickness that is too great for the power of God. High and low, large and small, we declare your healing hand touches it all. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him. Say, he called them to him. Let's keep reading along here in Matthew chapter 10, verse 2. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, his brother John, Philip, and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Verse 5. These 12 Jesus sent with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. And as you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. That's not a suggestion. It's not a suggestion. You need to understand the pattern here. Jesus called them to himself. He called them to intimacy. He called them to revelation. He called them to personal relationship with him. He called them into the chambers of his heart. He called them to mine out the unsearchable riches of who he is. He called them into the wake of his anointing. And then he says, now that you know me, now that we've walked together, now that you understand me to a a degree, I can entrust you with authority. I can give you the legal right to exercise power. Are you hearing me today? The legal authority is the legal right to exercise power. The word authority is the word exousia, where we get the word executive or execute. The executive branch executes power. They have the legal right and responsibility to make decisions in the administration and distribution of power. The word power is dunamis, which is where we get the word dynamite. Dynamite without the legal authority to exercise that dynamite is dangerous. So we don't just want power, we want to be under authority so that when we execute the power, we're not trespassing. We want to be under authority so that when we execute power, we know that we're doing it in a sanctioned manner. This is what's going on, right? This is the pattern. Come to me, know me, know my heart, understand my ways. Now, because you're entering into the yoke of sonship, I can trust you with power. And this is when he says, go preach and heal the sick. You can't heal the sick with authority alone. He says, I'm giving you the legal right now to handle power to heal the sick because now I can trust you that when you heal the sick and when you cast out demons, you're not just going to draw people to your own ministry. You're going to draw them to me. I feel the Lord is asking Antioch something very, very important. When I begin healing cancer, when I begin raising people from the dead, when I begin healing incurable diseases, will you be sure to point people to me and not to yourself? We gotta work, we gotta work that out in the yoke of our submission to Jesus. Verse eight, heal the sick, raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. 
I just love that. So Matt, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Bam, fourfold. One, two, three, four. And then he says this. He says, freely you have received. Freely. Freely you have received. I want to talk today for a few minutes with you, church, about what makes what we do ministry. A lot of us are putting our hands to a lot of things. And if we're not careful, we can become deceived into assuming that what we're doing is ministry. Just because you're giving your time, just because you're giving your energy, just because you're on a schedule, just because you're showing up faithfully, that in and of itself does not necessarily mean that what you're doing is ministry. Here's what Jesus says, freely you have received. I'm not downplaying your sacrifice. I'm not downplaying the fact that you've got to adjust your schedule and your time to get here and do certain things. But what I am saying is, is that simply showing up does not necessarily constitute that what you're doing is ministry under the Lord and unto God's people. This is what he says, freely you have received. This is the pattern, freely you give. Let me just break this down here for a few minutes. The word freely I've, I've taught this, I've taught this to leaders, I've taught this to uh, disciples, I've taught this to, to ministry teams, and I discovered something this week that I've never seen before in the, in the parsing of these particular words. The word freely is an adverb. Freely you have received. In other words, the manner in which you have received, the manner in which we've received everything that we've been given has been given to us freely. It means something that has been given to you undeserved. In the context here, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's saying, I'm giving you authority and you did not purchase that authority. I purchased the authority and I'm giving it to you undeserved. You did nothing to deserve this. You did nothing to merit the authority to drive out demons. I am choosing to bestow this upon you as a free gift. It's the manner in which you received. Are you still with me this morning? It means there is without a cause. It was not done out of obligation. It was not done without, it was not done with compulsion. Jesus did not feel obligated to give these men this authority. He was just so moved to give it to them freely. The word received there, lambano, is a very simple word. It just very simply means to accept what is available. It means to accept, it means to open your hand, and it means to take that which is being offered. If I were to offer you this morning a $100 bill, you can open your hand and you can receive it, or you can continue to let me dangle that $100 bill and you could say, that's nice, but I, I'm really good. I don't really need that. Oh, 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 pastor, don't do that. Oh, no, no, I'm fine. You know, we, we play all these religious games. Oh, no, 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 I'm, no, no. Lambano that thing. Open your hand and pull it in. Take it in, Right? That's what Romans 6.23 is all about. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is being offered. It's being extended. And he's saying, you've got to take that gift and pull it in. And then don't just throw it on a shelf. You've got to take that gift and you've got to use what that gift is for and what that gift is about. Lambano, receive it, take it. Open your hand and pull it in tight. So here he says, freely, adverb, you have received. 
The manner in which you have taken that which is being offered to you is being done in a very free manner. Then he says this, it says freely give. The word freely the second time is not an adverb. It's a noun. All of you guys who flunked out in English, you're cocking your head going, I don't get it. <laughs> freely. The manner in which you received, you received this in a very free manner, in a, without cost, without compulsion, without earning this. And this is what he's saying. He's saying essentially, now when you give, everything that you give, give as a gift. Whatever it is that I've given to you that you have received without merit, now I am saying, give it away as free gifts. Just give it away as free gifts. I've given you the authority to heal. And he's saying essentially, when you go and heal, don't try to build a name for yourself. Don't try to go get a 501c3 and start having all these people that you gave healing to. Uh-oh. Give it away as a free gift. Don't give it away to build your name up. Don't give it away to build your ministry up. Give it away as a free gift. It's a free gift. The preaching of the gospel, it's a free gift. Casting out devils, it's a free gift. Getting people restored, it's a free gift. Everything that you do now that I've given to you, he says it's a free gift. Give it away. Don't, don't attach a price tag to it. There's a lot that we can unpack there. Don't hold other people under some manipulative obligation with that which I've given to you freely. Huh? Freely you have the manner in which you have the, the manner in which you have received this has been without merit. Now everything that you give, give it away as a free gift. All right. We're gonna get we're gonna get here. John chapter five. I just want to establish the pattern and then we'll talk about the application. John chapter five, let's begin in verse 15. We're talking about what makes it ministry. Did I say John chapter, I said verse 15, I meant verse 17. John five seventeen. Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work, even to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. And Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. The father loves the son and shows him or gives freely to him all that he is doing. You know, revelation is a free gift. It's a free gift. This is why Jesus says no disciple will be above his teacher. Because essentially what he is saying is, is that which you have sat under, you have received freely. Now everything that you give back, now give as a free gift. Yes, to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Why is that? Because Jesus understood the pattern. That everything the Father has given to me, I received freely. And so now I give away as a free gift. 
I give it away as a free gift. All the revelation, all the truth, all the wisdom, all the knowledge, all the nuggets, all the pearls, it's free. Take it, it's free. You don't owe me anything. Jesus is saying, you don't owe me anything. He's saying, I want you to have everything the Father has given to me because the pattern is I have received it freely. Now it belongs to you. As a, I give it as a gift. The Father gave me life. Now I give life as a gift. The pattern of ministry simply is this. You want to know what makes it ministry? Very simply is this. Whatever you have received, you give it away as a free gift. The pattern in ministry is if you've not received anything, you're not ministering. We'll get there. If you've not received life, you have no life to minister. If you've not received anointing, you have no anointing to minister. If you've not received fresh revelation, you have no revelation to minister. This is why in John chapter 6, verse 63, Jesus says the Spirit gives life. Put that on the screen, John 6, 63. The Spirit gives a life. The flesh counts for nothing. So how many of you know that everything that we do that makes this place do what this place does, we can do by the Spirit or we can do by the flesh? Huh? A lot of preachers preaching a lot of great messages that they got from a download on a website. And that's why they're not changing anything. That's why they're not transforming any lives because they've not received anything and they have nothing fresh and nothing life-giving to give. We can sing up here, we can sing our songs, and they can be songs by the Spirit or they can be songs by the soul. We can move tables, we can move chairs by the Spirit, or we can move it by the flesh. And Jesus says the flesh counts for nothing. Nothing. No, it counts for nothing. Interesting, Jesus also said in John 5, the Son can do nothing by himself. You and I can do nothing that affects eternity by ourselves, Even if it looks spiritual. I'll even say this, even if what you're doing is the right thing that you're supposed to be doing, if you're not doing it by the Spirit, if you're not doing it receiving from the Spirit of God, if you're not doing it in the yoke of sonship, it will do nothing. That's why obedience is better than sacrifice. That's why we got a lot of people that are broke down, blown up, burnt out, and bitter because they've given a lot of time, but they've been doing it by the flesh. Why I got to come here every Sunday morning and get here early? Nah, nah, nah. Why is that? Obviously, you're not doing what you're doing out of revelation, and you're not doing what you're doing because you've received something by way of grace and revelation from God, and now what you're doing is you're doing what you're doing out of some proud, religious, uh, arrogant, resentful uh, willpower, and it's not producing the life of God. And that's not to say that even when God gives us a grace, it's not to say that there are times when we just have to be disciplined. Are you, are you hearing me this morning? Now, there's a lot of everything that God has called me to do in this house. I know that there is a divine empowerment and a divine grace to do it, the things I love to do and the things that I, even I don't 
so much love to do. There is an incredible divine empowerment, but let me tell you this, it doesn't, divine empowerment is not a substitute for the discipline of character. It doesn't mean that you're gonna have some difficult days. It doesn't mean that there might be times where you gotta get your soul under submission to your spirit. Every single one of us have those things. Let's be mature here. Let's understand that even with a divine anointing and empowerment to serve, we still have to grow up. We have to grow up to match the assignment that God has given to us. Are we, are, we, are we still connecting dots this morning? So Jesus is saying the pattern here is I'm watching the Father and everything that I do, it's because he's doing it. In other words, everything that I'm giving is something that I've, I've gotten directly from God. And back to John 6, 63, he says, the spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. And this is when he says, the words I give to you, they are spirit and they are life. That's what Jesus said. Paul understood this pattern. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We'll begin in verse 6. Paul says, Now, brothers and sisters, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, Do not go beyond what is written, and then you will not be puffed up in being a follower of one of us, over against the other. A lot of context there. Essentially what was going on in the church at Corinth is that people were arguing. Well, I belong to Paul. I belong to Apollos. I belong to Cephas. They were all, there was divisions that were entering into the church because people were, were, were elevating kings. Instead of serving the son out of sonship, they were, they were elevating kings and they were saying, well, I belong to this group over here. And Paul's like, we gotta squash all this. And this is why he says, listen, then you will not be puffed up in being a follower of one of us over against another of us. Well, I, I, I belong to Nexus. We're, we're, we're on the worship team. And Paul's like, no, no, we don't, we don't play that around here. We belong to the kingdom. We belong to the kingdom, and as long as your little dinky department is serving the king, then let's get on board and start moving forward. That's what he's saying. I got to translate. I got to make this plain for everybody. We don't elevate one department, one ministry, one crew over the other. We belong to Antioch. Antioch belongs to Jesus. We belong to the kingdom, and we want to move forward. We don't have elite intercessors around here. We don't, we, we done away with that. I said, we don't have, we don't have these super elite intercessors that everybody is like afraid to get around. We don't play that around here anymore. You either belong to Antioch and Antioch belongs to the kingdom or you need to go out there and be a renegade and do whatever else you want to do until you learn to get your butt in submission. That, I'm just translating the word. I'm just translating the word. That's what Paul's saying. He's he just trying to make it plain. All right, let's keep going. Verse seven, for who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? I appreciate your revelation, but guess what? You receive, that don't belong to you. You receive that. I appreciate the fact that you know how to work a soundboard, but that don't belong to you. You received that. 
I appreciate that you can sing. I appreciate that you can preach. I appreciate you can move chairs, but that don't belong to you. You can get just as arrogant in how great of a servant you are. You can get just as puffed up and look at, look at how great I serve. You're one of the best servants. Every time I turn around, you're always working. Yeah, and Jesus had to rebuke Martha for the same gift. I'm going to come after you this week, girl. <laughs> Names make a difference, don't they? Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Don't take pride in how great you serve. The fact that you serve as great as you do, you received that as a gift from God. Everything that's going on around here, the strategic-minded people, the administrative people, the worshiping people, the people that love being with the kids, it's a gift that they receive from God. That's what Paul says. What do you have that you did not receive? And when we understand this, watch what will happen, church. When we understand this, it will, it will cause us to be grateful and it will keep us from becoming competitive. Because the same gift that you received is a different gift that someone else received. And you will say, I can celebrate what you received because you received it in the same way that I received what I received. And we don't get to determine what we received. He does. And you got a problem with what I received, you take it up with the one who gave it to me. Are we, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna keep on working this till y'all get here. I know most y'all ain't used to this kind of preaching. We'll get you there. Look at 2 Peter chapter one. I'm just trying to establish the pattern here. Here's the pattern. What makes it ministry is that freely you have received freely you give. Second Peter chapter one, NIV says, his divine power has given us everything that we need. Everything. Everything you have, you've received. The way in which you pray, the fluency, your ability to prophesy, your ability to hear God's voice, you received that. It's a gift. You have no right to take pride in that. It don't belong to you. It's not for you. It's for God's purposes. It's for the building and the strengthening up of his body. He may make you go through hell and back and you may not get a thing out of it. It's for somebody else. That's his purposes. Everything that you need to live a godly life, everything you need to overcome sin, because you overcoming sin ain't just about you overcoming sin. There's some babies that are gonna come into the harvest that you're supposed to pull in and say, listen, son, I gotta disciple you. I gotta mature you. I've gotta grow you. You can't keep making those same mistakes anymore. And God sent me through a process and he revealed something to me and he changed something in me. And now I've got something to give to you and it's free. You don't have to call me spiritual father. You don't have to tithe to me because he gave it to me freely and I'm gonna give it to you as a gift. Oh, I need some help preaching this today, Lord. Help me preach this today. I like the New Living Translation in this particular verse. It says, by God's divine power, he has given us everything we need. And then it says, we have received all of this by coming to know him. 
Here's the pattern. You want to give it? You got to receive it. And if you've received it, stop taking pride in it. All right, let's break this down a little bit. Here's the question that I'm grappling with. I want to invite you into some of the things I wrestle with. I want to mature you a little bit this morning. Can I have permission to do that? If somebody else can do what you do, then what makes what you do ministry? Are there people that can get up here and sing songs just as well or better from a technical standpoint than our team? That may not even have the spirit of God inside of them. Is that possible? And now if people can get up here and go up all the chords and scales and and if they can do that, if they can do that and it sound incredible, then what makes what they do ministry? If somebody can check in kids, that don't take much skills. Push a couple of buttons, write a name down, put a sticker, write a name, put it on the back. Next. I've been to some supermarkets where they do that. The DMV. Come on now. Come here, take a number, sit your butt down. I'll call you. You, it's your turn. The DMV. So if the DMV can do what we do and probably better, then what makes a check-in person up there a minister? It don't take much spiritual anointing to move a chair. I could go out and I could go do a little contract with all those guys who are doing community service. Hmm? Come on. I need you to come move these chairs for me every Sunday and we'll just, log, we'll just log your hours and we'll just have the next guy come in. And if, and if a community service guy can move chairs for us, what makes it ministry? Sound technicians, greeters. We got people at Costco that greet better than us. What? What makes it ministry? What makes it ministry? If someone else can do it that doesn't have the spirit of God, if someone else can do it that doesn't have the anointing of God, if someone, what makes it ministry? It don't, somebody else can walk into a hospital room. They do it all the time. I did a hospital chaplaincy. They got a lot of people that get in there. They don't know Christ. Anybody can walk in a room. Anybody can sit by a bed. Anybody can fold their hands. Anybody can listen, be quiet, be patient, and get up and get out of the room, and nothing changed. What makes it ministry? What makes it ministry? We got people that are upstairs right now giving their time, holding babies. We have babysitters that don't know Christ. What makes it ministry? We got people out there that got businesses that appeal to kids that entertain them and they don't know Christ. What makes it ministry? Freely you have received. Let me walk you, let me walk you through a little scenario here. 
Let me walk you through the scenario of a single mom who's got four kids and she's just doing everything she can to get ready in the morning, to feed four children, and make sure that her, uh, her uh, stockings don't have a run in them, doing everything she can just to get here on time. She's frazzled, she's beat up, and by the time she gets here and she gets all the way up to the third floor and she's bringing all her kids up there, let, let's, let's go through scenario A, DMV. Good morning, ma'am. Bop, 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 bop. Questions? Well, it's just over there on the board. You just need to push a couple of buttons and a sticker will pull out and just give us your kids and have a great service. Because that mentality and that spirit is not ministry. Or what about the person on the other side who's just up there begrudgingly and just counting down the weeks until their six-month commitment goes out and is up there and I ain't even called the kids anyway. All right, what, what makes it ministry? Now, now let's imagine this single mom who brings her four kids up and all of a sudden the atmosphere is different because there is a person who has a revelation that their assignment is to minister to every single person that comes their way. Let's imagine a person who's actually been in prayer. Imagine that. Let's imagine a person who actually woke up a little bit early or maybe they stayed up a little bit late so they could pray for the single mom who was gonna come, who was already frazzled with her four children so that when that person encounters them, they have received something and now they have something to give. I can give you hope. I can give you joy. I can give you life. I can give you because I've received this because I went into the secret heart of God and I knew that God had something for a single mom today and I grabbed a hold of it and I'm just looking, I'm, I'm excited now. I'm anticipating, where is she? Because I got something I've got to give to you. See, when you, when you actually go get something from God, you ever, you ever I love surprises. I love them. I love giving surprises. I love them. And one of my favorite things to do with surprises is the anticipation. And sometimes I will let my kids know and I will let my wife know. I still got surprises for the next five months for my girl. She don't, I told her the other night, I got three presents. You know what? I'm just gonna give you one for your birthday and I'm gonna keep the other two and I'm gonna just keep them in my pocket. I'm just gonna hold them here. Because I, I want you to go, what is it? What, what, what is, when? When am I going to get it? I love it. Huh? When you go in and you get a surprise from the heart of God, I got a little surprise for you today. I'm on a treasure hunt. Listen, listen. A treasure hunt isn't just giving a prophetic word. A treasure hunt is when you go in and you get some treasure from the heart of God and you're like, who, who's going to get the treasure today? I got some treasure to give to somebody. I can't wait to see who checks in today because I got a treasure for you. I want you to imagine this single mom with her four kids who roll up and all hell is breaking loose on her life and she encounters a ministry crew. 
She doesn't just encounter a volunteer. She encounters a ministry crew. She encounters people that have been in the heart of God. And when she rolls up, all of a sudden, it's eyes wide open. It's smiles. It's arms open. It's embracing these kids. It's we bless you today, ma'am. They're in good hands. God's got a word for you today. Oh, we love watching your children. We love ministering to your children. That's a ministry crew. We need some ushers. We need some ushers who ain't sloppy. Who don't, who don't just let things go by. David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house. You know what David said? He says, I'd rather, I'd rather be an usher. Sign me up. I want to be an usher. I'd rather be an usher than be out there goofing off in the world. He said, you can put me in anywhere you want to put me as long as I'm close to the house of God. I want to serve the house of God. I want to build the house of God. I want to bless the house of God. Put me as an usher. Put me as a gatekeeper. Put me as the guy who comes in and I'm watching. I'm praying. I'm in the spirit. I'm not letting anything get by me. Think about the person. Think about the husband who that wife for the past 15 years has been fasting. For the past 15 years, she's been on a 21-day fast. For the past 15 years, she's been declaring scripture. And the one day that man comes, is he going to encounter a volunteer or is he going to encounter a ministry crew? Is he going to encounter somebody? Is he going to encounter a man of God who as soon as he sees this guy come in, he's engaging him. He's engaging him. This man is talking to him. He's like, let me help you, sir. I'll find your seat for you. I'll tell you where your children belong. Is there anything else that you need? Because he's a minister. We need visual members. We need guys up there behind that computer that just don't go, what difference does it make if I miss a slide? Y'all are so anal anyways. We need a guy, we need a person up there who is saying, I understand that the words up there help people connect with the heart of God. I understand that when I miss a slide, they have to get pulled out of the presence of God. And they go, what are the words of this song again? What are the words of this song? And now all of a sudden, the momentum that God had in the spirit connecting us, boom, we got pulled out. We got pulled out of the vertical because somebody is just a volunteer and they're not a minister. Are you hearing me today? We don't need more volunteers. Go to Karen's chair. Go to the humane shelter. Go, go, go serve animals. We need ministers. We need men and women of God who come here prayed up. We need men and women of God who say, God, I've got an open heart. I've got some treasure in your heart that I've got to give to people. Listen, you need to understand something today. Even if it don't look spiritual, it is still spiritual. The words that those guys put on the screen, when you do it with the spirit of excellence, when you do it with the heart of connecting the house to the presence of God, when you have a divine motivation, here's the question, what is your divine motivation? What is your divine motivation for greeting people? What is your divine motivation? Get into the heart of God and get an eternal perspective. Life group leaders, get an eternal perspective. We appreciate
appreciate you open up your homes and you put out snacks, but we believe in the name of Jesus that there's a divine assignment on every life group leader to heal and train and equip and mature and disciple and strengthen the body of God to be an army of sons and daughters that move the kingdom of God forward. You can move benches by the spirit, find a divine motivation. Because I don't know about you, but when I come into a sloppy place, I don't want to be in a sloppy place. I don't like it. Makes me uncomfortable. Agitate. You don't care enough to put, put benches in a straight line. You must not care enough to, be, to put the word in a straight line. You don't care enough to put benches in a straight line. You, you probably don't. Your God must not, your God must not be that great. If he don't deserve more, if he don't deserve more, then I don't know if I want to be here. And listen, we need to understand that God has called us to reach every demographic of society. Every demographic of society. We're not always going to be in this building. This building is a training ground. This building is a training ground. Why in the world should God trust us with our own? The principles and the patterns of the kingdom is take care of something that belongs to somebody else. Don't you know that there are times when we take care of this building better than CSCS takes care of their building? And we don't do that. We do it as a free gift. It's a gift. You don't have to discount our lease. We're doing this as unto the Lord. We're learning how to take care of our own. We're becoming better stewards. God is training us to be righteous rulers. And if it takes the next 20 years of setup and tear down, so be it. But we're gonna, we're gonna have an immaculate building. We're gonna have a campus. We're gonna have a Bible school. We're gonna take care of foster children and the orphans. We're gonna host other ministries. We're gonna have discipleship schools. We're gonna, these are the things that God is birthing inside of us. God is building something inside of us that is bigger than us, beloved. Do you know whose responsibility it is to pick up the piece of trash? The, the closest person to it. If you're a minister, if you're a minister, if you're a customer, then you can go ahead and overlook that. If you're a customer, do you want to be a customer? Or do you want to be a minister? There are times when the Lord will have me I'll be in Walmart and toilet paper and, and uh, paper towels all over the floor. And the Lord will say, pick it all up. I'll say, you out your mind. People get paid for that kind of stuff. That ain't my job. <laughs> and I'll, call, I'll, I'll try to get all obstinate with the Lord and act like I didn't hear him. Hit that man, he will make me turn around. Aisle 12, turn all the way around, walking all the way back. Where are you going? I got I to gotta go get an assignment. You got a prophetic? No, I got to go. I got, got an assignment. <laughs> Up in there, picking up paper towels, like, good. Wash my hand like five times. Times when my children have been there with me. What if, 
What if in those moments, when my children get old someday, the, 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 the owner mentality of a son and a daughter gets into them, not a customer. I am not a customer. I'm a son. You are not a customer. There are no customers in the kingdom. Y'all just need to write that down and meditate on that for the next six months. There are no customers in the kingdom. You want to be a customer? Go to a seeker-sensitive church. Go to a customer-sensitive church. But if you want to be a mature son, get yourself underneath a company of fathers and mothers and sons and daughters who are growing in the kingdom. That's what we want. That's what we're about. That's what we're building. Customers don't change the world. Customers don't stay with their wives. Can I do this, Bernard? Is this okay? Can I do this? Customers don't worship. Customers don't serve. Customers don't engage. Customers don't go the extra mile. Customers don't go the extra mile. Customers quit when it gets easy. When the cost is too expensive, they go to the dollar store. I wish I had an organist behind me right now. You are not a customer. You are a minister. Ephesians 4.11 says, and Jesus gave some to be apostles and some to be prophets and some to be evangelists and some to be teachers and some to be pastors. Oh yeah, those guys. And this is why he said, so that they can train so that they can train, so that they can equip, so they can put tools in the hands of people, so that they can train their mindsets, so they can pull people out of a customer mentality and raise them up to be mature sons and daughters, to prepare God's people for the work of the ministry. Freely, I have received freely. It's a gift. And you can take it or leave it, but I'm going to keep giving the gifts. And God's going to keep giving the gifts. And when you get your feelings hurt that nobody wrote you a thank you card, remember, it's a gift. 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 Give it as a gift. I love you guys. Y'all should rejoice. My time of fasting is over. We'll probably have some nice, cute messages after this. <laughs> I promise you, I promise you before God, if you start getting some lame sauce messages, I'm going to go back on a 40-day fast. Come on, stand to your feet this morning. Selah, ma selah. It's a new day. It's a new day. Father, I thank you for this body of believers. Lord, I know that this was probably more for the people listening by podcast than for Antioch family. Lord, we just release divine conviction right now on everybody listening to the podcast in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you today for the grace of the Lord that you have showed us the pattern. Freely we have received. Freely you have given us the free gift of salvation. Freely you have given us healing. 
freely you have given us life and joy and victory. Freely you have given this to us. You've given us hands to serve you. You've given us creativity to bless the children. You've given us an ear to hear sounds and to write music. You've given us the spirit of prophecy. God, thank you for the gift that you have given to us. Now I want every hand in this house just lifted high before the Lord. And Father, today we, we choose to worship you with our gift. Administrative gifts, be it come forth. Strategic gifts, come forth. Creative gifts, writing gifts, singing gifts, musical gifts, gifts with children, gifts with youth, gifts with men, gifts with women, gifts of hospitality. Come forth, come forth, come forth. Present your gift to God today. Lord, we present our gift to you as a free gift. Father, thank you that we have received freely and everything we give is a free gift. It doesn't belong to us. Antioch doesn't owe us. Our ministry department doesn't owe us. God, this is, a, this is a privilege. Thank you for the privilege of serving in Antioch Church. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful to present my gift to you, God. Bless your name today. Father, I pray that anything that I said that was foolish or out of order or by the flesh, just, just cause those things to disappear and cause the spirit of the word to just, hey, let the spirit of God's word bring life, bring fruit, bring strength, bring empowerment to the people of God today. Lord, your word says that we do these things for the strengthening of the body. And we declare God, that is each and every one of us find our post and find our place and each and every one of us give freely as we have received freely that this house will be stronger than ever for the glory of our God and for the advancement of the kingdom. In 30 seconds, one of the greatest gifts that we've received is the gift.